What's up, everybody? Welcome into a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. So glad to be with you as we are less than 48 hours away from tangling with the Tennessee Titans, masquerading as Oilers on Sunday. Yes, they will be wearing the Oilers jerseys, the Oilers colors. The field will be painted with a Derrick at midfield. They will have Oilers written in the end zone. Yeah. So if you're of H-Town, from H-Town, feel and love H-Town, yeah, your blood will be uh, boiling just a little bit. So we got a little time before we get there, so let's kind of break down all the things that are going to be happening, not only on the show, but uh, in this game. Mark Vandermeer is going to be by here in a little bit with D'Amico Ryans. We've got a little Matt Burke as well. Andrew Beck is jumping in for a little pregame interview and a little Drew's does it. We're going to go behind enemy sidelines with uh, Jim Wyatt, who covers the Titans for Titans.com. Also, John Glennon, uh, who does the Believe Network there for the Titans. Also, the GOAT is joining us tonight, Andre Johnson. We've got Mark Vandermeer joining for my keys, and I got my predictions a little bit later. So, we got a lot to do. Plus, we got to get into who's in, who's out. We'll do all that uh, in the show as well. But to kick it off, Mark Vandermeer with head coach of your Houston Texans, D'Amico Ryans. Let's roll. All right, coach, you've been through some adversity before with guys being in and out in the lineup. What's it been like getting ready for this one? Feels like, unfortunately, this is like normal for us this mm-hmm. year. So many different guys in and out, but I love the way our guys approached it, right? It doesn't matter, right, who's up, who's down. Everybody, I told them on Wednesday, I want everybody to approach this game as you're starting, whether you're on practice squad, whether you've been inactive for a few weeks. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, prepare yourself as you're going to go out and you're starting and you'll be ready to go if your number is called. I know you'd love to get the ground game really cranked up. What's the challenge in facing their front in doing that? Yeah, the challenge, they're, they're tough front, physical up front, right? Big guys up front, they do a really nice job in the run game. Uh, so we just have to stay after it, right? We have to stay after it. We have to do a really good job on our combination box, you know, on the interior, right, to really stay after it, right? If we get a four-yard run, that's okay. Like, just keep plugging, keep plugging, keep plugging. And, you know, with that being said, you know, the play-action pass will help open up some of the run games. So we have to be able to execute that as well. Yeah, they've been good pressuring quarterbacks lately. They're surging in that department for some reason. Yeah, they do a really good job when it comes to the stunts and games up front with their defensive line, Mm -hmm. right? They do a really good job of mixing it up, putting the pressure right in the middle of the pocket, right, where the quarterback can't truly step up. You see, that's their emphasis. They don't want to allow the quarterback to step up. Right, so that's how they get the pressure on the quarterback, make it tough on them. And we have to – and they play really tight man coverage. Right, It comes to third down, so our receivers have to be precise in their route running, and we have to find a way to get open. You have some tape on Will Levis, no question about that, but he hasn't played that much. What about the element of unpredictability with him? Rookies, you sometimes don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah, you don't know what you're going to get. One thing I'll say about Will is you see – you see his toughness on tape, right? You see the competitor. You see the toughness. He throws a deep ball really well. They've thrown the most deep balls in the league this year. And as Levis stepped in, he's he's thrown a lot, right, to Hopkins down the field. So we have to be aware of that, try to eliminate those explosives. But when it comes to, you know, everything else, it's kind of standard with their offense and how they run and how they operate. All of that is pretty much the same. We just got to try to frustrate Levis as much as possible and make it a drop back pass game and try to frustrate him as much as we can. We talked about Derrick Henry earlier in the week, but what about DeAndre Hopkins? Because he's coming off a big game and he's 
not unpredictable, but he does have a way of getting open. Yeah, he's he's talented, man. He's savvy. You talk about a veteran who's savvy. He does a really good job. You know he's lining up to the ex receiver, the single receiver side, and he's just he goes up, he finds a way to, you know, chuck defenders off at mm-hmm. times. But when he goes up for the ball, he's probably one of the most sure handed guys, you know, in the league and is competitive at the catch point, which makes it tough. He's a tall target, athletic guy, still has the speed to run past you. So it's just all around one of the one of the top receivers in the league. What about the psychological factor of playing a team in the division? I know it's your first matchup with Tennessee this year, but you've seen all the tape. They play everybody you play and that kind of thing. Yeah, well, it's, it's one of those games where you hey, you can't get pumped up for this one. I don't know what's wrong with you, right? Yeah. It's uh, it's one you look forward to, right? Seeing mm-hmm. the team in your division, right? Knowing what's on the line, like it's one of those games to where you know it's you don't need a speech, a big speech or anything. Guys know you know what this game means. They know going against the Titans and you know that division rivalry. It's always been a big time matchup. Guys understand that. And now, once all of that is done, once that ball is snapped, it's going to come down to, man, are you executing your job? Are you playing as fast and as physical as you can possibly play? And then let's see what happens. Coach, thanks a lot for joining us. Good <laughs> luck. Right. Thanks, Mark. Great stuff there from D'Amico Ryans. I, I've gotten to – I've gotten – I'm not perfect at it, but I've gotten to where I could speak a little bit of fluent D'Amico Ryans. Like when I hear his voice and I know what he's saying – He's looking forward to this weekend and a, on a lot of different levels. You can just tell he's got some pep and excitement in his voice. He is ready to roll. Also ready to roll is defense coordinator Matt Burke. Mark and I had a chance to catch up with him on Thursday before his presser. We always have a good time jabbing at each other. He's a Liverpool fan. I'm a Man City fan. He's a Dartmouth grad. I'm a Brown grad. Uh, yeah, so we're poking at each other a little bit. But I love Matt Burke, man. That dude is everything we wanted him to be. Let's take a listen. Mark, me, and defense coordinator Matt Burke. Defensive coordinator Matt Burke joining us in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. Coach, great to see you. Okay. Hey, have we resolved the Dartmouth Brown thing since we were last Why'd you do that? this? I mean, not in, not Why in person. You, I just wanted to make sure. It was resolved on the field. Yeah. Okay. It should have been. Uh, <laughs> Dartmouth victorious, Peace Lively title. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most Lively history. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? Yeah. Is yeah, it the, there's nothing else I can add to the that. Big green, there really isn't. I, I, okay, so people know, peek behind the curtain. We beat Arizona that day. It was yeah, Arizona, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. He walks in the locker room, sees me, because I'm waiting for my interview, and he says, I got two great wins this weekend. How many did you get? I'm like, well, I got one. That's the one that mattered. That's so, true. Yeah. That's uh, right. But when Liverpool played Man City, it was a draw, which uh, is a shame. Okay. Liverpool top of the table right now, though, just – don't worry. Since we're going there. Don't Time worry. The guys in blue are coming. Table Don't worry. means standings in English, yeah. everybody. Erling Holland <laughs> is coming. Don't just worry. Just in case you, you didn't fear know. him. You'll come to the Etihad and you will lose. Coach, uh, tackling Derrick Henry, mm-hmm. every defensive coordinator, every week somebody plays the Titans is asked about this. Sure. I guess it's easier said than done, but what needs to be done? Yeah. I mean, A, uh, you know, sort of the usual suspects. Obviously, getting hats to the ball, getting people there. It's hard, you know, one-on-one tackles. He's a big back. Uh, he's got a great stiff arm, so we have to learn how to defeat that. Um, and then a lot of it's trying to just take up air, uh, not give him that space. Like, you know, he's a kind of a build momentum mm. guy. If he can glide on his track and get going, he's obviously harder to bring down. So if you can get to him early and close space, uh, get him in the backfield a little bit, just chop the front up, um, make him maybe chop his feet a little bit, like gives you your best chance. Like he's always at the top of the league in yards after contact and those sort of measurements. So um, it's definitely a challenge, but, you know, 
sort of the way we play our techniques and our fronts or hopefully uh, give us a chance. Coach, Will Levis, what have you seen with him? He hasn't started all year, uh, about half the year mm -hmm. seemingly, but from the Falcons game on, what have you seen from Will? Yeah, uh, I know it probably has been mentioned, obviously, sort of the toughness and the aggressiveness and the energy he plays with, it's, it's palpable on, on film. Um, and he's got a big arm. Uh, they, you know, they're one of the top teams in the league at, at uh, downfield shots, at, at air pass yards, and uh, trying to get explosives. And he throws a really good deep ball. And obviously, he got some weapons uh, that we know that can go up and get it. So um, I would say those are the two biggest things that jump off tape, just the, the grit and the toughness he plays with. And then uh, he's, he, he throws a really nice deep ball, which they do a lot of, yep. too. So he sort of marries up with the system pretty well. A lot of talk about injuries on the offensive side of the ball. You are dealing with your share on the defensive side of the Always. ball. You know, Blake Cashman goes out last week, leading tackler coming into the game for the organization. But you've had other guys who have shined as well at the linebacking spot. And it's the NFL, right? You have to rise to the occasion. How hard is it to regroup and retool things in different weeks as you put together your lineup you're going to face? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always – I always say it's, it's, it's never a matter of if you deal with injuries, it's when, you know. And so you have to have uh, preparation. And I know I've been asked a lot through the course of the season just – um, rotating that group, and that's part of the point, you know. I mean, is that all those guys have gotten some reps at different spots, and we try to put them in the in different positions so that when this stuff comes up, there's some cross training, and guys can plug in at, at different areas. You know, I mean, it's you know, it's a, it's a position that you only go into a game with four, five, six, depending kind of week to week. Mm -hmm. You know, so all those guys have to be able to learn multiple positions. So we've been training that way all year. So uh, you know. It's our job, whoever's available to us, to sort of try to put them in the right spots to help us. So uh, it's, it's those guys have done a really good job of just stepping up when it's time to step up. Coach, what are you most proud about this defense about, and what do you feel like this still has to get better for this defense to take another step up? Yeah, I mean, I would say for us it always, just like from a proud standpoint, I mean, it just starts with how they play, the effort and the time. Talking about those injuries, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are playing through mm, yeah. minor Some injuries stuff, or banged yeah. up stuff, and they're just gritting it out and tough. I mean, it's, it's a really, you know, tough, hard-playing group, which is, like, a calling card for what we do and, um, you know, get compliments on, like, the playing style and how it jumps off tape, too. Um, you know, I feel like week to week we're always talking about cleaning up the, the mistakes or the errors, the miscommunications, you know what I mean? And last week – you know, it was a good example of that. Like, we weren't on our P's and Q's of what we needed to do and, uh, you know, led to some leaky yards and some stuff that, that we would like back. So I think, uh, again, I think I said this last week in my in my press conference, like, we're all striving for perfection, and I, I know that's maybe not possible, but um, we want to get as close to perfection from a execution standpoint, like yeah. a call, alignment, assignment. Uh, I know Meek's been talking about, like, let's let Texans get out of their own way and let's see what that looks like. So I would say that's where we still have growth of just putting together. There's every game we've had, we've had flashes of just excellence and playmaking, and, um, but we haven't really strung it together for a full 60. So that's always the goal we're, we're trying to hit. Coach, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck. I appreciate it, guys. Yep, Dartmouth, PCI League title, smoked us, smoked Brown that last weekend, but – my man, Bill Lazor, if he's got anything to do with it, his son is going to take us to great heights very, very soon. Bill Lazor, senior offensive assistant, his son, Nolan, going to Brown, and I love it. 6'5", maybe 6'6", six, six. he's a tall guy. Cannon arm, going to be quarterback at Brown. Can't wait for that um, because then Dartmouth's going to eat our dust, but right now we're eating Dartmouth's dust, and I hate that. All right, University of Texas is going to the college football playoff. Andrew Beck is a proud Texas alum.
He sat down with Drew Doherty to give him a flavor of this one against Tennessee this weekend. Fullback Andrew Beck is the guest, taking on the Tennessee Titans in Nashville. Andrew, as an offense, how do you guys bounce back from what we saw last week in New York? It's kind of getting back to the things we know we do well. You know, executing on first and second down, not letting the elements affect us on third down. You know, obviously, that's a spot where we're trying to, you know, space it out and throw it a little bit. And the rain can have an effect, and I think it's going to be raining again this week. So knowing that going into it and controlling what we can control, I think, that's all it is. I mean, the good news is we don't have to reinvent the wheel to get back to what we've been doing. Just go back to exactly that, what's worked for us in the past. And, you know, we've got the playmakers, even with injuries and CJ probably not being available. You know, we don't really know anything on that yet. But as far as whoever's available, we have a really good next man up mentality and knowing that we have the playmakers in our room to do it. No doubt. And you, you bring up CJ, probably not going to play. But with Case Keenum and Davis Mills, you guys have a familiarity with both those guys, exactly. right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, fortunately with us, uh, you know, you can't go wrong with those two. And I think that's where our coaches have the most confidence in our quarterbacks. Obviously, the players do. You know, either of those guys can walk in and command a huddle if CJ's not available. But at the end of the day, that's a that's a coach's decision. And the good news for the players is we feel confident with either of them in the huddle, and they both do a really, really, really good job. Yeah, you know, earlier in the season, we saw those two games where you guys get 100 yards on the ground from Singletary. You saw some flashes last right. week against New York. How do you keep that going on a, on a more consistent basis, you think? I mean, that's the thing is, is just finding the consistency. I think, you know, uh, up front, it starts with us handling movement and games and, on the line and, you know, playing on their side of the ball. I think that's been the, the key to our offense ever since Coach Sloat got here and installed it. The very first thing he said is, boys, if we're going to be successful, we're going to play on the defensive side of the line of scrimmage. And, and if we get back to that, fortunately for us, it doesn't matter who lines up on the other side of the ball. We can, we can t- handle business as long as we get back to the fundamentals of what we do, which is run off the ball, playing on their line of scrimmage and being decisive in, in every aspect. And we, we can do that. And I think that, you know, the more guys know that and understand that, that it's, it's reassuring to them. And, you know, you play better with a little bit of confidence behind you. So just getting back to the confidence that we need, I think will be good for us. Facing a team in Tennessee, Monday Night Football held a pretty potent Miami Dolphins offense in check. Right. What stands out to you the most about their front seven? One, diversity that they play with. They have a couple of different out of base and nickel. They have a couple of different things that they'll throw out there. So it's, you know, knowing who's on the field and where they're lining up. They got a couple of really good players. You know, the backers fly around. Their edge guys are, are physical. And same with their interior guys. They got some big guys that can play in the middle. So, again, it just gets back to doing what we do best and, you know, controlling what we can control and getting after them. How much do you guys look forward to? After you have a game like that, that you did last week, to just getting back out on the field. You don't want to heal. You want to get through everything physically. But on the mental side, how quickly do you guys want to go again and play? Right, that's the thing. Is you know we just we just got to get past it. And I think you know we've had a couple good days of practice. Seeing the practice reps and knowing that like, hey guys, it wasn't the end of the world. We can still accomplish everything that we want to accomplish. And I think that was a big thing for guys to hear is that you know we're we're not done this season yet. We got to keep rolling. And I think everybody's excited for the challenge. All right, last thing. Christmas is on the way. If Santa Claus can bring you anything other than a victory against the Titans in the playoffs after that, what do you want him to bring you? Oh, man. Playoffs after that was a good one. What do I want him to bring me? Hmm. That's a good one. I'm I'm an outdoorsy guy, so like a deer leaves or something like that. Land. (laughs) Just a bunch of land. If anybody hears that and is willing to donate, (laughs) that's what we'll go for. Andrew Beck needs some deer to kill, so give him some (laughs) land, hook him up, and let's have some fun. Hey, Andrew, always fun talking with you. Best of luck against the Titans and the rest of the way. We'll uh, see you again soon. Appreciate it. Thank you. Andrew Beck will be by a little bit later for a little Drew's Dozen, which you definitely don't want to miss. I got a feeling that Andrew Beck's Drew's Dozen is going to be as good as we've had all year long. What are the keys to getting a win against Nashville? Is Andrew Beck part of that? Yes. And, well, you asked for the keys, and you're going to get them with a guest appearance from my man, Mark Vanderbilt. That's next on Texans All Access.
Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access, a TGIF edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans, and it's time for my keys to the game. But I have brought along a guest host. Now, let's see if you can figure out who this guest host was and is. He once lived in Happy Valley, Pennsylvania, which is called State College, Pennsylvania. He was once the voice of the Central Michigan Chippewas. And he also claims to be the best darts player in the building. It is none other than... Mark Vandermeer, Mark, how are you doing? Uh, Jeff Schmitz, our IT czar, is probably the best. Yeah. But I've beaten him before, yes. and I will do it again. That makes you the best. I will unseat him eventually. That makes that makes him the best. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do, Mark. What I usually do on Friday nights, you already know, I get my keys going, yeah. and I got the music in the background, I get hyped. So I'm going to start the music, all right, and there it is. And we're going to talk about keys to the game. We're going to start on the offensive side. So we're going to talk about the things that offensively we need to see to be able to get a win over the Titans with this Titans defense. So I'll go first to give you a second to think about this. Don't anticipate seeing Jeffrey Simmons. That said, the Texans offensive line must control the down players. I said last week on extra points, they've got to be able to block Danico Autry, Tier Tart. Just because Simmons won't be in this game, it doesn't matter to me. Those two guys, Autry, Arden Key on the outside, Harold Landry in particular, this Texans offensive front must control those Titans down guys, no questions asked. Well, I'm with you, and they got to find a way to get some running lanes. they got to get something. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say 125 yards. Are you kidding? I'd love 125 yards in this game. I don't care who's playing quarterback. That would be a best friend of the quarterback. But how about this, Johnny? If you have a first half even of 45 yards or so and have some success, in the second half, let's have another 45, 50, 60 added on to that. Let's not have one half where you have this success and then it kind of shuts down at the break, right? I know game dictates that. You're behind a lot or whatever. Let's not have that happen. So I just want to see some consistency where it's good enough. How about this? Good enough ground game? I'm not asking for a bonanza. Love to see it. Right. But a good enough ground game to me is a huge key for the Houston Texans because, let's face it, you need it for the quarterbacking situation. And even if CJ 100% slinging it, we want to see the ground game going. It's a big part of this system. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, my next key, getting the tight ends involved. Or, I'll put it this way, getting everybody that's not a wide receiver Mm. involved in the passing Ah. game to help the wide receivers. Dalton Schultz, having him back is massive. Brevin Jordan, keeping him involved. And they got Brevin involved last week with slam release. You know, action going one way, slam release, he releases the other way, he's wide open. Just things like that that can get the tight ends and running backs open and available. It doesn't have to be a slip screen to the running back all the time. It could be a throw out in the flat to wide to running back, just picking up four yards on first down. We were in the hole so many times behind the sticks, so many times last week. We've got to be able to get the ball out to those guys and let them do some damage in space. Yeah, that might be my opening play. A little boot and just a little quickie pass mm-hmm. to the tight end for eight yards. He gets a little yak, gets your first down. Yeah. You know, reload from there. Johnny, when the Texans were really doing well in this type of system, remember. 
you're allowed to bootleg and hit big plays to the backs and the tight ends. Right. Owen Daniels against the Jets mm-hmm. in 2012, Monday Night Football. Huge play, touchdown. Arian Foster against the Titans in 2011. Bootleg, throw it to Arian. He runs the length of the field, that kind of thing. And I'm not saying that's got to happen, but it would be great to get some chunk plays yep. out of the boot to the backs and tight ends. I endorse this message of yours. Last one. Now, I kind of poo-pooed the receivers a second ago. I am not poo-pooing the wide receivers here. Last week, wide receivers, not named Nico Collins. Mm-hmm. I guess you could throw Nico in there, but say Nico, Nico went out early. He had one catch for a first down. He went out. The next play was a screen to Woods. That was it. They had four catches for 19 yards. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not expecting anyone to have a Nico Collins tanked out Andre Johnson type of game. Not expecting that. But 4 for 19 is not going to cut it. To me, yes, the offensive line is in the spotlight. To me, the wide receivers have got to play well in this game. And they've had games. Noah Brown's had games. Robert Woods was a third down demon earlier in the year. Forgot got a little banged up um, and then had to miss some time. Robert Woods, Noah Brown, I would say in particular. But I know they're... You know, Mechie got a lot of run last week. Mm-hmm. Xavier Hutchinson, whoever they are, whoever those wide receivers are, they've got to have more than four for 19. Yeah, and I need I need an X-Factor guy, right? I need maybe Noah. I need, how about Steve Sims if he's up? Right. Doing something big here. Uh, X doing something mm-hmm. big here. Mechie coming out party would be unbelievably great. But you're right. You need extra. I like Sims coming up if that's the case because he has that dimension of speed he yep. can add to the tape. Remember he had that receiver screen? You know, you need a couple of those. You don't need somebody to necessarily go five for 120 in a touchdown. How about group effort? But everybody's making plays out there because yep. this is everybody's got a band together, circle the wagons, burn the boats. This is that game, Johnny. This yep. is the one. Here it is because you get this one. Hopefully you get certain people back next week. That would be great against the Browns. You don't get this one. You're really up against it with three to go. So let's see. Yeah, got to have it. All right, let's flip it over to the defense. Obviously, this uh, Titans crew wants to run the football. They've run it pretty well. About middle of the pack running-wise, they've run it better. But I think once Levis has been inserted, their passing game has been a little bit better defensively. First one, not anticipating Will Anderson Jr. playing. In fact, I'm not anticipating playing for a couple of weeks, to be honest. Just my hunch. No, You just never know what you're dealing with a high ankle sprain. Apparently, high ankle sprains in Jacksonville um, are like, you know, an ingrown toe. I guess you could play with it. Uh, High ankle sprain legitimately here in Houston. Yeah, we'll see. Um, But without Will Anderson Jr., I'm wondering... Where's the pressure coming from? Now, John Grenard has done a, a whale of a job. A whale of a job. But the Jets, going back and watching, they spent a lot of efforts trying to slow down both Will and John on the outside with tight ends, with backs, things like that. Now, they can put those efforts all on Grenard. So, Mark, where does the pressure on Will Levis come from? It comes from Barnett. It comes from Jerry Hughes. You know, you're just going to have to find a way to get it there, right? And the inside guys, too, they're allowed to get after the quarterback. The Tennessee O-line has had some issues this year. Now, look, they feel very good about themselves. I'm hoping they are fat and happy in this one. Last week, you were facing Zach Wilson. Zach's been through a lot of stuff. Zach played well in that game. D'Amico Ryans was quick to, I'm not going to say he gave him no credit, but he really put it on his guys not playing well enough, and that's why they had a great quarterback in game. 
obviously it all starts with Derrick Henry, but get after Will Levis. And I'm saying send Petrie every once in a while. If you have to send Jimmy, I don't know how you draw it up, Johnny. Right. But you got to draw it up because the guys are going to be near the line of scrimmage anyway because everybody's got to be invited to the Derrick Henry party. So let's see if you can get after Will Levis in the process. Yeah, absolutely. How about can I interest you in a stat, as Landry likes to say? In his first game against Atlanta, Levis threw. Do you remember how many touchdowns he threw? Four. Four. In his last six games, how many touchdowns has Will Levis thrown? Just don't think too hard. Four. Four. How about that? Yeah. Four in his first, yeah. four in the last six. He doesn't have to throw for a lot to make it work out. We were going over Davis's four-in-one AFC South yep. road record. Doesn't have a lot of touchdowns mm-hmm. necessarily in that run. But you're just getting the job done, running. You're getting a couple of turnovers. Uh, he needs that. You know, mm-hmm. He needs that to help him win. But, look, we all know what it's about here. It starts with Derrick Henry, and yep. you're about to go over this, right? Yes. So I'll, I'll let you go. Yeah, that was it. All right. Key number two, Derrick Henry, go. Yeah, Derrick Henry, the key. We all know. We've heard it so many times. Romeo Cradell, you have to get him before he starts getting downhill. You have to reduce. Did you, did you put it this way, the air between Henry and No, the, Matt Burke did. Oh, Matt Burke good. did earlier when yeah. we were talking to him. That's yeah, yeah. what he talked about. The way that I put it is no runway. You know, yeah. a plane needs that runway to get yeah. going. Yeah. You cut the runway off. Right. Uh, the Chiefs call it kill the engine. Yeah. Um, when they when they stopped Henry in the playoffs in 2019, that's what they called it. it was kill the engine, get to his legs. Yeah. Get to his legs and slow him down. Get um, him low. D'Amico was saying, get him low. Right. So we all, everybody knows. It's right. like saying, you know, run for three yards. Well, right. it sounds simple, but it's difficult. Right. You know, it is difficult to accomplish. It's difficult to bring Derrick Henry down. Uh, the Dolphins slowed him down a lot. Yes. And. Really, it's mind-boggling how Miami lost that football game, but they did. You just have to find a way to hold them under 100. I'll take under 100 now, Alex, considering (laughs) he's had 1,000 yards in the last five games or whatever the stat is against the Houston Texans. And even in the win last year, Buck 25 had that long run the rest of the way you did well. I know it's different teams, different systems, but let's buckle up because that's where it starts. I'm sorry. If you're able to bottle him up, you should be able to stop their yep. offense. The question is, are they going to take you, as you would say, down into their muck and win a game like that? Yep. Because you might be doing a good job on defense, but are you doing enough on yep. offense? Yeah, that's that's to that to me is... 126 yards. If Derrick Henry has 126 yards on Sunday, I'm worried. If he had 126 last year, we we're throwing a party. I think he has 126 this year. I'm worried about that. Yeah, now, with- unless unless a lot of that comes on one run. If a lot mm-hmm. of it comes like last year, he gets a long run of last year's 48. He yeah. has a big run that accounts for half of it, and it's one touchdown. Okay, because then you're doing a pretty good job on the rest of the carries. But 126 yards on Sunday, ugh, I don't know. And when's the last time we held him under a, a C-note? was... 2019 first game yeah when we beat them up there with Carlos Hyde scoring that game winning touchdown against them so um that that's that's got to happen no runway however you you know whatever theoretical analogy you want to use you just can't get him you got to get him you got to keep him from getting ahead of steam mm-hmm. and if you do that and you force him to stop and cut back you got a chance and then you got to wrap you, you got to just wrap up put no doubt pedal to the metal and no diving no dirt diving you can go low but make sure you've got something, a shoelace, a, sh- a sock, a knee pad, whatever. He's going to be wearing an oiler uniform. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. Just going to be strange. Billy White Shoes Johnson. You know, he played for Atlanta, too, Titans. Oh, yeah. I have this. This is the stat for my end of numbers. How about yeah. this? Um, the number is uh, number zero. The number of games that Billy White Shoes Johnson played in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. 
and for the Houston, for either franchise, the way it's constructed now. And that's why I was thinking you should have honored him when the Falcons were there. Yeah. He played six years for the Falcons, right. seven for the Oilers. Right. Uh, number seven, seven seasons for the Oilers. So he played zero games in Nashville, seven seasons in Houston. Yeah. So, you know, you can you could do the math and figure that out. This whole thing's kind of crazy. Uh, here's another number. Um, well, this is more offense, but still. How about the fact that Davis Mills and Case Keenum have a combined 90 starts between them? Yeah. Will Levis has seven. So, starting experience can matter. Got the experience. You got the experience. There's no question about that. All right, last defensive key. Secondary-wise, it's just got to be sticky in coverage. I mean, I don't think there's anything, any other way to say it. Hop. You've got to be stickier hop? in coverage. Who's on hop? I think I want Stingley on hop. Yeah. I think Stingley's – I mean, both. I think both Steven and Sting are a good matchup because they don't mind getting physical a little bit. But what Sting brings is probably the ability to adapt to some of the things. Like the other night, Xavier Howard got pulled down – by Hop, and Hop still made the catch. I think Sting could still make a play out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just his size is probably a little bit better. But I think, as we saw the Texans do here, whether it was Tim Kelly and Bill O'Brien would call him plays, Bill O'Brien, whatever, they like to use Hop in the slot because that would give them, that would give the offensive staff, okay, this is zone, this is man, that would give them some keys, and then you would get Hop on some pretty you know, easy little routes where he could just get a catch, dive forward, it's 10 yards, whatever. They've got to have. They got to be sticking in coverage, and I think if they're going to bring pressure, like we talked about, with five and six, if Petrie's coming, if Jimmy Ward's blitzing, if the linebackers are blitzing, they've got to be super sticky in coverage. Oh, that's another one. Linebackers got to step up. Oh, here. they've no got to have a week. Got to step up, Henry Christian. Mm-hmm. Let's go, the young guys, the Bama boys. Let's go. They've got to step up in a major, major way this week. Note about that. Uh, no doubt about that. Okay, Nashville. Where does it rank? on your trips that we take each and every year. Oh, it's one of the very best. I like Indy the best, you know that, yeah. as a trip. Mm-hmm. And it's something we've talked about many times. But Nashville's the best city. Now, Nashville's changed a lot. It's funny. I've been in this so long, Johnny. Yeah. When we used to go to Broadway downtown in the O's, like 2004. You could actually walk around? It was nice. It was kind of, it wasn't quaint. It was still yeah bustling but it mm-hmm. was you could slip into those music bars catch a few songs go into the next one and i like watching the live music and you know i don't spend all night you know i'm back at the yeah, hotel yeah. by 10 but now it is a mass of humanity and the predators are playing saturday night too so Ooh. every time we go into nashville oh. now predators are no predators because the arena is right off the edge of broadway it's always packed the bachelorette parties no one's complaining about that, I guess. Uh, there's always a huge throng of people in downtown Nashville. Mm-hmm. Almost feels like too many. Uh, v- super crowded place. They could use another Broadway or two to accommodate all yep. the people that go down there. But it's it's awesome. I know you like it, too. The, yeah, it's one of my favorites. Um, no matter what we've got on the docket. Was it 22 where we went to? We went to Denver, we went to New York, we went to Miami, we had all Las Vegas, we had all these fancy trips, even LA in the in the preseason, which LA is gonna be the tops because that's where more my daughter is. But every year Nashville will be one of the top ones. Yeah. I mean, it is it's always fun. I wish the game were at night, which is weird. We've never played a night game there. Never have played not, a night not, game. Well, I shouldn't say it. I know I've never been to the night game. You no, ever played them at night no, there? No, never played them at night there. Night would be kind of fun. That would be cool. Next year, probably, maybe. maybe. Yeah, that would be, nice. be fun. See how this, this uh, Levis-CJ Stroud thing goes. Um, and we don't know whether it will be CJ Stroud. We don't think it's going to be CJ. Um, so we're kind of planning for Davis Mills and Case Keenum, one or the other, both. Uh, who knows? Who's going to play Wildcat quarterback? 
And that would be one of my fi- that would be my final key mark, I think, just overall. Pull out all the stops. It doesn't matter what you have to do. This game doesn't have to look pretty. This game doesn't have to be an Instagram model. It's just got to get you across the finish line. That's it. I wanted to hear what the alternative to Instagram model yeah, was. Yeah, I didn't know where I was going to go with that. <laughs> a picture of me. I don't know. I don't know where I was going to go with that. But, yeah. Um, you. But you get the point. You know yeah, exactly where yeah. I'm going Look, with it's just, it's a, I hate to put it this way, but. But I don't. I shouldn't hate to put it this way. This feels like one of those O'Brien games where you just got nothing, and you you're not nothing. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You don't have everybody you, you'd love to have, and you piece it together, and you go up and you find a way to win a division game. Yes, and exactly. They, and he was able to do that from time to time. And this is this is the biggest challenge so far for D'Amico mm-hmm. this week. And you know what? As the games ratchet up in magnitude later in the season, here we are. Next week will be even bigger. So here we are. And we'll see how they respond. But it's a big challenge for the whole staff to put together an alignment, Mm -hmm. an arrangement, a game plan, and get the guys super juiced up to win this game. I know they're going to be juiced up no matter what. They know how big it is. Before you go. Yeah. Chargers fired Tom Telesco, GM, and Brandon Staley, head coach. Yeah. Quick thoughts. Well, it's Surprise, a team no. that went for it, man. You were giving me their cap numbers, and oh, they're not pretty. Oh, yeah. Like, they definitely added a lot. When you look at the names they have, and we didn't yeah. play them this year, so we didn't see them up close and personal, but it is a massive failure because that was a playoff team last year. We all know mm-hmm. what happened to them in the second half of Jacksonville, and now look at them. Yep. It's horrible. I know Herbert's out for the season or whatever he's out for, and – it did not go well nope. while he was in there. He's a tremendous talent. That's a great job, Johnny. I know the Spanos family, they get whatever reviews they get, whatever Yelp reviews they yep. get as owners. You're in L.A. You got a chance to really do some things. Social media-wise, not that that's a factor in coaching them. They're the number one team in the league yeah. in social media. Yeah, they're crazy, yeah. It's they got a great department there. I just think they have a lot of buzz that they mm-hmm. can create uh, with Herbert and friends. I think it's a tremendous job for somebody out there, and we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting to watch. Three got jobs. A quarterback. Now. How many jobs have yeah. quarterbacks like that? Well, three jobs are open right now: Raiders, Chargers, and Panthers. The Panthers have got a quarterback. Uh, Chargers not like got Herbert. A, no, I know not that in that caliber. Of. I know what yeah. you're saying. Uh, the Raiders don't quite know. Could be Aiden O'Connell. Put up 63 last night against the Chargers. That was ugly. <laughs> that was gross. Hopefully. How'd that Viking game go? Oh, my God. Oh, jeez. That was crazy. All right, we get back. We will catch up with Jim Wyatt going behind enemy sidelines right here on Texans All Access. All right, it's time to go behind enemy sidelines with my man, Drew Doherty. He does that with senior writer for Titans.com, Jim Wyatt. Drew, take it away. Time to get the lowdown from the source. We got Jim Wyatt of the Tennessee Titans. Jim, you're no stranger to the program. Welcome back. Drew Doherty with you. Hey, tell me about this Tennessee Titans team coming off a high on Monday night. What direction are they headed? There have been some changes at quarterback, and you got a fun one there in Will Levis right now. Well, where do you see this team headed? And I know it's a broad question to be in things, but what's the direction of the team right now? Drew, good to see you. Appreciate you having me on. I mean, it certainly uh, was a momentum mood changer on Monday night because it's been rough around here. I mean, it's been a long stretch of a lot of losses, a lot of, uh, you know, turmoil this this team has has been fighting through. And I think Monday came out of nowhere. And, you know, with – five minutes left in that game and you're down 27-13, it kind of looked like, to be honest with you, more of the same. Like, here we go again. 
finding ways to lose. But team got off the mat, a um, couple of touchdowns late, got some big defensive stops, and um, and now with four games left. I think it's still not very realistic to think that you're going to be able to get back in the playoff race, but you can try to build some momentum and, and finish the season off right. And I think that's the mindset around here. You know, if some crazy things happen and you keep winning, maybe maybe the conversation gets different. Uh, but right now it's just a matter of trying to win two games for the in a row for the first time since November of last year. I mean, that's how long it's been uh, since this team's won two games in a row. So um, I think that's – and actually you got to go to October of last year since this team won two in a row. So that's a long time that we're missing this week. Something we've been familiar with around here for a while too, and this has been a fun season with regards to all that, but – Goodness gracious, Will Levis, what an interesting guy to watch from afar. Seen him just talk at the Combine. I was really impressed just at the podium, and that's only one thing, win football games at a podium. But that was cool last year, and then seeing him truck over Jalen Ramsey the other night, that was a lot of fun, and I know there's a lot of scuttlebutt up there about, like, don't do that again, start sliding, but he seems like a fun guy to cover from afar watching. How much fun are you having covering a young quarterback who looks like he's got some promise and he's got a future? Yeah, I mean, it has been fun. He's kind of re-energized the fan base a lot of ways, like C.J. Shroud has done down there. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, when you, every time you, anytime you have a new young quarterback coming in, and I've been around a lot, you know, from what is Jake Locker to Vince Young to Marcus Mariota, you know, sometimes these guys flash early and not, and they can't sustain it. Uh, other guys that show more staying power, and I think with him. Uh, through seven games, I think you have to be encouraged by what you've seen. He's got the strong arm. He's got the toughness. He's got a little bit of moxie to him. Um, he he is very well-spoken. He seems to do all the right things from a leadership standpoint. He's completely changed the opinion of the fan base on him because I, I think anybody that, has, that was in Nashville after the draft, when the Titans picked Levis in May, it wasn't very well received. And a lot of that's because this is a part of the country where people cheer for the University of Tennessee and they don't like yeah. Kentucky players. And, you know. But I would, but not to interrupt, but I would say there was a lot of skepticism about Levis just in general. I, I don't yeah, think you guys yeah. would have been alone about that, but he's, I mean, I think he's changed that narrative. You know, don't you? Yeah. It's true, but but I but here it was there was a little extra venom in there just because he was a Kentucky guy and because yeah. he didn't play well against Tennessee. And again, I'm not a University of Tennessee. I mean, I'm not a Tennessee fan myself. So I, I wasn't along those lines. I wasn't thinking along those lines. But I sure. will be honest with you, as I wear my Vanderbilt hat here. Right. I saw him play against Vandy last year, and he didn't look that good. I saw the stuff about the mayonnaise and the and some of this other kind of quirky stuff that kind of. Uh, turns some people off, uh, but he's a completely. Di- I'll say he's a completely different guy, completely different personality than I expected. I spent a little bit of time with him uh, at the draft in Vegas the day before, you know, before the draft, and mm-hmm. and even then I thought, okay, this guy's a pretty nice. He's a nice young man. I thought he handled himself well. I remember an interaction where he was doing media. And there were kids there that were trying to get autographs. And and I think there was a special needs young man that was trying to get his attention while he was doing a group interview. And mm. uh, 
and the, and he was kind of tugging at him. He was he was getting a little impatient. He was getting ready to walk off. And Will maybe put his hand on his head and say, "Hey, hold on, I got you." And and then he stopped and spent some time with this kid. I thought that that's a pretty nice thing to do. And he that's that, that's kind of how he's handled himself here. Like he's been he's been very approachable by everyone. The fans love him, and uh, and now they just got to keep him healthy, and they've got to get better around him. I mean, this team. Yeah. Uh, it was good Monday night at the end, but look at the big picture. This team's five and eight, lost a lot of games going back to last year. So the, the work needs to be done for the Titans to get to where they can support him and be good on a consistent basis. Hey, Jim, you saw lots of DeAndre Hopkins over the years playing against the Titans, and he, he had some big games, had big games against just about every team. What I saw, and I don't watch the Titans on a regular basis, but what I saw a lot of on Monday night when I was watching that Dolphins game was that looks like the same guy that was lacing him up here in Houston for all those years. What have you seen, though, on the whole from Hopkins? Because he looks like a guy that can help out any quarterback like he did when he was here, and it looks like he's helping out Levis there. Yeah, and, and tell him he doesn't look like the guy you'll get it, he'll, he'll get ticked off. Like he, <laughs> he is a, he plays with an edge. Uh, yeah. He, he obviously uh, – Keeps receipts, you know. I guess that's what what people want to call it. He he is aware of what people have said about him in the past, and he's aware that people thought that he uh, was nearing the end uh, this off season, and and a lot of doesn't look like it. Contracts, yeah. And so he's coming here, and he's been really good. I mean, he he practices every week. He's he's been a leader to the young receivers in that room. He's been a very positive influence. Uh, around Will Levis to push him to be better. And then on the field, he's been very productive. I mean, he still gets open. He still catches the ball. He still is a consistent, you know, big play producer. And uh, really been impressed by him because, you know, the Titans have taken a swing at some of these uh, receivers, Andre Johnson. So who's who, yeah. Randy Moss, Julio Jones, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they have tried on those guys in the past and it hasn't worked out. This one has worked out. Yeah. He's been, uh, he, it's interesting what you say about it. You know, I was, I was at the airport and met him the morning after he got drafted when he arrived in Houston, rode in the, the limo with him from the airport to the stadium. And we kind of documented his first day here. And yeah, he's, he's always been a different cat, but my goodness, he has produced. He came in as a rookie. At 800 yards with Schaub throwing all the pick sixes and the Texans losing 14 games. I mean, he, it was a weird, he still had 18, 800 yards and then it was a thousand pretty much every year, but the Brock Osweiler one, and then he leaves. And so it was a, it was a tough day in Houston when that trade went down and then Derek Henry and, and Tajay Spears. That's a dangerous duo, Jim. I mean, the, and we know what the Texans have done against Derek Henry over the last few years, but Texans run defense to their credit. This is the best run defense they've had since 2018. Now, does it hold up and still do what it's been, you know, doing all season long on Sunday? We'll see. But what do you make of that matchup there with the run game that the Titans have and a little bit better run defense by the Texans? Yeah, it'll be interesting because I still think the key to having success if you're the Titans and to help your quarterback is to get yeah. Henry going. And you take, you know, you open up play action by doing that. And, Take some, you know, don't let the other team just pin their ears back and come at you when you're able to run the football. So uh, the Titans will continue to try to get the run game going. It's been different. I mean, it's been, 
you know, since I've covered Derrick Henry after the early years with DeMarco Murray, once he took over as his team's lead back, he was the team lead back. He hardly came off the field. He was getting all the carries. He was wearing teams down. It's different now with Tajay Spears because they are getting him involved, and he has been getting better each week. So they'll continue to work both of them. Uh, Derek has had his good moments and, and has shown that he can still get it done. But uh, but they have a weapon in Spears, and we'll try to use him in the passing game and then in, in, in the running game as well. And he's coming off his come, cut off a really good night on Monday night. Jim White of the Tennessee Titans is the guest. And Jim, over on the defensive side of the ball, a guy who's terrorized the Texans just like Henry has on offense, is Jeffrey Simmons. Probably not going to see him if that was your guess uh, on Sunday. Yeah, I don't expect to see him. I know when he got hurt, uh, he said be out for a couple of weeks, and and he's just probably you know ten days removed from that knee injury. So, uh, you know, he made the trip to Miami and and kind of serves as the hype man before the game. I saw him in the locker room yesterday. Uh, he got a brace on, so I, I think the timetable for him is is still a couple of weeks away. And you know, the last thing you're going to do is is throw him out there too soon and jeopardize his health uh, moving forward. So. It's going to take other guys stepping up and playing well, and they they had guys do that this past Monday night. Uh, look, I, I'll be honest with you, I never thought they'd be able to kind of contain the Dolphins like they did. I mean, that's a team, mm-hmm. as you know, has been racking up all kinds of points, and Titans had a great game plan against them. So it's going to take another one of those type of efforts, you know, moving forward. I know there's some question marks in Houston about who's playing on offense and what that's yeah. going to look like. So, uh, but the Titans have got to get ready. Yeah, stay with Simmons. I know he's probably not going to play, but you've seen a lot of football in your time. How good is that guy? I don't think he gets enough recognition nationally that he probably should because it's like I said, man, he just wrecks shop every time he lines up against us, and we're not the only team he does that with. Does he remind you of anybody you've covered or seen in the past? You know, maybe Albert Hainsworth. I mean, he's he's because uh, Albert was such a uh, disruptive force uh, for the Titans on defense back in the, you know, early 2000s and 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 he was a player that the offenses had to worry about at the snap and Jeffrey Simmons is just kind of was a relentless competitor uh I I, I'm with you that I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves you know yeah he has he's made it to pro bowls and, and I think coaches and players are aware of what he can do, but you know, NFL puts out the top 10 fan voting at certain positions and he didn't even make top 10 at defensive tackle, which is hard to believe. So yeah, it's crime. Yeah. So, I mean, so he, so he is really, um, he is a foundational piece for them. And despite all the changes they've had, I think priority number one, this past off season was to make sure you get him here long-term and he, He's been great. I mean, he's a really good player on the field. He's this team's Walter Payton, uh, you know, NFL Man of the Year nominee for what mm-hmm. he does in the community. Uh, you know, he's going to be around here for years to come, and uh, and he's a tone setter because he busts his butt out there at practice, and he busts his butt in the games. And if other guys aren't doing the same, he's the type of guy that'll let them know about it. So even though he, I don't expect him to play Sunday, I think he'll be chirping on the sideline. Jim Wyatt, we sure do appreciate the time of the Tennessee Titans. It's always good to get your perspective on things. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday in Nashville. Texans at Titans, noon central. Always good to talk with you, Jim. Okay, thank you, Drew. Have a good one. Great stuff there, but even greater stuff kicking off our 7 o'clock hour as the GOAT, Andre Johnson. 
sat down with Mark and I. We had so much to talk about. That's next on Texans All Access. Let's kick off the second hour of this show with the GOAT. No, not me, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. and Well, Mark's the GOAT. He's the voice of the Texans and been so since day one. But Andre Johnson is thought to be the GOAT in this city. He sat down with us and, man, we talked about this Titans matchup. We talked about Cortland Finnegan. We talked about a lot of stuff here with Andre Johnson. Take a listen. All right, joining us now in the Hyundai Texans radio studio, it is Andre Johnson, who is doing various things with us. But, Dre, great to see you. Welcome. Good to see you guys. All right, so let's just go present day, shall we, with the team in a little bit of a pickle right now. Uh, Injury situation, really big game, got to win it late in the season. Uh, How do you think the bodies are feeling the magnitude of the situation, maybe having to go without the quarterback, all of that added up as you take on Tennessee on the road. Well, I think everybody's beat up right now. I mean, it's a long season, um, you know, playing 17 games now, so it's a very long season. Uh, I just think the biggest thing is that the whoever's playing, they just have to rally around each other. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, all it takes is a, a couple plays to win a game. So, um, you know, you out to rally around each other and just play good football and, you know, just kind of see what happens. Andre, you're around a lot of quarterbacks here. I think probably played the longest stretch maybe with Matt, but you played with a number of quarterbacks while you're in this building. Right. What do you see in the quarterback now, C.J. Stroud? What have you seen in the young guy? I mean, he I mean, he has the potential to um, have a great career. Um he, uh, he's, you could tell he's definitely a guy that learns from his mistakes. Um, but, you know, as a rookie, you still have a little, gro- a few growing pains here and there. Uh, you know, he got beat up a little bit last week. Yep. Um, so, uh, you know, he, I, I don't really think he got beat up much uh, this year. You know, most rookies, when they come in, they take a lot of hits and they get beat up pretty pretty good. But um, he's main, he's maintained uh, most of the seasons and has done a great job. So um, I only expect him to get better. Well, we talk about that year one to year two improvement, and if there's improvement, that's really great. But what is that like, that transition from rookie year, you get into the off season, you can work on whatever you need to work on, don't have to worry about pre-draft, post-draft, all that rookie camp. Now you're a right. vet. What can he do this off season as he gets ready for year two? What's it going to be like, the whole process? You think? Well, I think the thing is that you, uh, as a rookie, you're you kind of – just learning, you know, you uh, you get to experience a lot of different things, a lot of different situations um, during games. But with him being able to go out and perform the way he has as a rookie, um, that's what makes the future look so bright for him because he's been in a situation. He, you come back that second year, you've been in those situations. You mm-hmm. understand what's going on. Um, there could be teams that you played against, you know, like your division teams and things you see, things you may experience, and you know what to expect. So um, those are the things you you harp on, you try to learn from, um, and you just try to, you know, go over the mistakes that you did make so that you won't be making them again. But he's done a great job of that. Andre? You're in the building for about three or four years, and then a young rookie comes from Alabama, D'Amico Ryans. 
You've seen him blossom into a rookie head coach. What are your thoughts about what D'Amico has done with the organization and then as head coach of this team? He's done a great job. Um, I don't know if um, a lot of people remember when I think it was my first time on here after he got the job. And I think Mark asked me, like, what did I expect? And I was like, don't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of people, I think this year surprised a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I don't think they thought they would be in a situation we're in right now. Yeah. Um, but he, for him, he's done a great job. And him, if you know him as a person, uh, you know that the players are going to want to play for him. Yeah. And I think – with him being here too, with us hiring him, we've created a destination for free agents. So uh, he has a great uh, just overall name and reputation around the league. Yeah. And, you know, guys want to, you know, come play for him. Andre, the Titans will be wearing the Oilers uniforms. And when we revealed this to D'Amico Ryans during his show, and he was sitting in the chair you're sitting in right now, he had a little bit of, bit of a reaction. You know, he was he was getting fired up. Right. Those are his words <laughs> about that <laughs> prospect. Even though he wasn't here when the Oilers played, and you right. weren't here when the Oilers played, right. you got here just a few years later. But does that speak to you at all that they'll be doing that and? that they have the logo all over their social media and they're calling it the Texans versus the Oilers and stuff like that. Does that say anything to you? And do you think that can possibly be conveyed to the current players to help the cause a bit? Um, I think it's something that is personal. Um, mm -hmm. I think that um, if you look at when we had the H-Town Blue and the University of Houston wore, you know, yep. the the blue uh, mm -hmm. uniforms. Yeah. I mean, they took it very personal. Uh, but, I mean, nothing about Tennessee says Oilers. Right. I mean, for me growing up as a kid, even when I remember when I first got in the league and, you know, people would ask me, like, most of the time people thought I played basketball and I was like, nah, I play football. <laughs> and, um They'll be like, what team you play for? And I'd be like, Houston. They'd be like, the Oilers? And I'm like, nah, it's the Texans now. So mm. um, everything, I mean, like I said, I think it's personal, and I think it's something that um, D'Amico could use as motivation to motivate the guys and just kind of give them the history of what the Oilers was about, what it stood for. And, I mean, the stadium's right next door. So <laughs> I think it's definitely something we could use as motivation. Andre, on social media a couple days ago, there was a TV, there was a snippet, I think it was from the 08 game, it may have been 09, and it showed you guys against the Titans, and it showed Kyle Vandenbosch like yelling at everybody on the Texas sideline. Everybody on the Texas sideline wanted to fight Vandenbosch, Joel Dreesen being first and foremost. Joel's always told us about those stories with he and Vandenbosch. How nasty was that rivalry with you in Tennessee during that time? It was bad. It was really bad. Um, if you pull up, so the whole thing kind of started when we ran up. It was a play like the first play of the game, and we cracked. We ran like a crack block yeah, on yeah. Vanderbosch, <laughs> and it kind of like set the tone for yeah, the yeah. game. And Were you Joe, cracking or just nah, somebody it was Joel. That's oh, why him oh, and Joel okay, used to okay. got it to it. So yeah, yeah. Joel was the long snapper, and like. He um he would snap for field goals, 
and punch, and the whole D line would be chasing him. Like it was like the funniest thing you would like what we would watch whole film, but it it became like a personal like a personal thing, and like yeah. uh, you know the thing what happened with me and Finnegan, and you know it just. It was it was just something that was different. Like we knew when, when they came here to play us, and we came here to play them. It was just anything was bound to yeah. happen. So um, I think that's something that we need to bring back. Yeah. Well, with the Finnegan thing, I was listening to some cuts, just listening to the mm-hmm. 09 game week two up there mm-hmm. when you had that sort of bench wasn't really a brawl, but guys pushing and shoving, yeah. and Mario's over there, and it's yeah. just a big mess. And I'm mentioning Finnegan's name. He's in there, and he comes out. And it started way before the 2010 incident between you two, right? Yeah, so uh, I don't know if you remember Bryce McCain. Sure. Back. Um, so I used to just watch. I used to just see, like, stuff he would do. And, you know, I used to, you know, you try to keep your composure, you know, and um, – it was a punt play, and he, like, I think Bryce was a rookie. And he, like, grabbed Bryce and, like, threw him to the ground. So it was, like, something crazy. And I literally, like, wanted to run off the sideline. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm a guy. I'm a stand-up for my teammates. So mm-hmm. um, I just told Larry, we got the ball back. I told Larry, I was like, man, I was just like, I'm about to go at him. And he was like, what you mean? I was like, just watch. <laughs> so if you look at that play, like it was a run play. And I literally took him from the field all the way to the water cooler. Mm. Like, I, and I was trying, and it got it got to the point of where, like, some punches and stuff were thrown. But because of the way everybody was crowded in the um, on the sideline, you really couldn't see what was going on. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is awesome. I mean, in that game where you have where there's the incident in 2010, you catch a touchdown early on in that game. Right. Was your success, for a better way of saying it, pissing him off more, and that kind of led even more? Yeah. Um, was he kind of agitated more because you were having that success against him? Yeah, he was. <laughs> he used to get mad because we used to run these read routes, and he couldn't stop it. <laughs> yeah. So. It was always uh, – I always had a choice to either take the post or I could just sit the route down. Yeah. And he was like – he used to always tell me, you ain't nothing. All you could do is run double moves. Like he, And they used to irritate him. So in that same game, he cost them the game. If you remember, we ran a reroute, and that week um, – Coach Kubiak, it was either Kubiak or Kyle. They was like, we're going to put a, a wheel route on it. Ooh, ooh, ooh. So if you notice, that was the play Jacoby Court running up the sideline. And we ended up, and it was like a big play in the game. And he was so focused on me, and I had talked so much. You know, we had went back and forth so much during mm-hmm. the game. And on that uh, reroute, when it was a wheel on it, I actually was sitting the route down yeah. because Kobe was. And when I sat down, he jumped all jumped over you. it. And Kobe was running up the sideline. So um it was it was like I said, it was it was a great time. It was a lot of great memories, you know, competing against them. Um, but I think 
you know, with what they're doing this Sunday is definitely something we can use as motivation. Andre, thanks a lot for joining us. We appreciate it. No problem. I just had his vision of Andre Johnson in number five Texans jersey. Man, that would have been awesome. Awesome. But didn't happen, but still 80s. Very, very cool. Uh, and hopefully all you guys will be sporting your 80 jerseys on Sunday, sporting the Texans uh, as they take on the Tennessee Titans. Now, there are a bunch of games, a full slate of games. We're back to full slates. This weekend, starting on Saturday, I pick them all and give you the status report for the Texans, Titans. Oh, it's a long one. Stay tuned. That's coming up next on Texans All Access. All right, here we go. Fastest three minutes you're going to find anywhere. we got to get the injury report and all of our predictions. So let's roll because this injury report is going to take a while. Welcome back to the show. I'm John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. Out for the Texans on Sunday. Will Anderson Jr., Blake Cashman, Tavier Thomas. Now, there's one doubtful. I haven't seen doubtful ever be ever play, ever. And that's C.J. Stroud. And I don't think people are expecting him to play, but you're already out. Will Anderson Jr., Blake Cashman, and Tavier Thomas. Those three are completely out. Questionable for Texans. Nico Collins, George Fant, Noah Brown, Shaq Mason, Henry Toa Toa. Cash, or excuse me, Collins and Fant have not practiced all week. I don't expect to see either one of them. Noah, Shaq, and Henry, I think we'll see those three guys. They were questionable. Now, it's not great on the Titans side either. Out, Tier Tart, Jeffrey Simmons, and Danico Autry went from knee moving in the right direction to play. He went from a DNP on Wednesday to limited with a knee to knee and illness. If they are without Autry, Tart, and Simmons, whoa, whoa. Also out, Josh Wiley, Kyle Phillips. Like I said, Autry's questionable. Nick Westbrook, Akine is questionable with illness. Jack Gibbons, Kayvon Wallace, both questionable. Everybody else is in. Like I said, whew, long one there for both sides. So, yes, the Titans have their quarterback and the Texans do not. So, we'll see what happens. Uh, who's going to be that guy? We'll give you that news um, on Sunday. Just be listening uh, to the broadcast. All right, we got to get to these games. And, boy, we got to fly. Saturday, a triple header. Vikings, Bengals. Bengals are favored by three. They'll get the win over Nick Mullins and get the cover. The Bengals are hot. We need the Vikings to win, but the Bengals will. Steelers, Colts. We want the Steelers to win. Indianapolis, Indianapolis is favored by a point and a half at home. The Colts will get that win and cover the one and a half. Dang it. Broncos, Lions need the Lions to win, and they will. And they'll cover the four and a half over the Broncos. Lions get it done on Saturday night football. How about that? Jets, Dolphins. Yeah, the Jets found themselves, even though on uh, Black Friday, the Dolphins hammered the Jets. Zach Wilson's back playing well, <laughs> at least he did last week. I think the Jets will get inside the 9.5, but the Dolphins will win. Short week, Jets will get inside it. Bucks and Packers, both 6-7. and seven. Green Bay's favorite by 3.5 at home, going with the Packers to win that and move to 7-7. Seven and seven. Don't care who wins it. Giants-Saints. Tommy DeVito playing well. Saints are favored by five and a half at home. Saints will win, but the Giants will get inside that number. Falcons six and seven on the year, taking on the Panthers. Atlanta's favored by just three in Carolina. Atlanta will cover that number and cover it in a big way. Bears, Browns, let's go Bears. Browns are favored by three. I'd love to say it's an upset, but the Browns are going to get that win and the cover. Patriots, Chiefs, come on. Chiefs are covering the eight and winning. 49ers are 12-point favorite. On the road to Arizona, it's always a tricky spot. 49ers are going to get the win, but the Cardinals get the cover. 
Rams will beat the Commanders by more than seven. The Bills are going to upset the Cowboys. Not really an upset. The Buffalo's favorite. So I'm going to go. We want the Cowboys to win. God, I can't believe I just said that. Cowboys win. Thank you. Jaguars are going to get beat by the Ravens by more than three and a half. And those are your games for this weekend. We get back. Drew's Dozen with Andrew Beck. Also going behind enemy sidelines with John Glennon. That's next on Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this Friday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and celebrating tonight after I get off the radio right here, celebrating my 28th wedding anniversary to my wife, Paige Harris, who is back in town, and I love her to death, so I wanted you guys to all know that up front. All right, we got plenty to do in this segment. We got a Drew's Dozen to get to, and we got to go behind enemy sidelines with John Glennon, so let's start the Drews Dozen with Andrew Beck. Let's rank the Andrews. You. Okay. President Andrew Jackson. <laughs> comedian Andrew Dice Clay. The actor Andrew Garfield. And I don't know if you're going to know this one, but there was a singer back in the day, about 15 years ago, named Andrew W.K. Maybe no. 20 years ago. Wow. Wow. That's a serious list right there. That's a serious question <laughs> for a serious dude. What's your serious answer? Oh, man. Ah, uh, serious answer. Whew. I might need them all written out. Yeah. I mean, gotcha. president's up there, but I feel like if you look at historically his presidency, we might not want to put him up yeah. that high. So we'll, okay, we'll put him as a solid three. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you have a good uh, grasp on history. <laughs> comedian, yeah, that could have got me in trouble a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, comedian's number one just because that's got to be the toughest job out of anything. Stand-up comedian, yeah. I'm going to give it to him, man. That's hard. Yeah, he and he like, performed... And that's another one. He was controversial, but, but he performed in arenas and stuff. And now he's an saying. actor. Yeah. I, I hide my face all the time at a stadium. I couldn't imagine going out there just being the only guy with the microphone. It would mm-hmm. be a nightmare. So, so following on to that, we'll put singer at two. Okay. Okay. We'll go actor three. I'll put myself at four, president five. But only right. Because historically, like I said, that could be a little. You're a humble I guy. I might get to a political career someday. So. Oh, really? Well, no, but we'll leave it open. If my agent watches, he wants me to say yes, so we'll leave it open. Oh, really? Okay. What else does your agent want you to do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, here, here's something. This, this might help your agent out. Tell me about the hair care routine. What are we, uh, what are we doing? Oh, right now? you got a nice, long, flowing locks. I do How long appreciate have they been, that. been that long? They've been... I started growing it right after I got married, which is about the time I discovered I don't get to make any more choices. <laughs> so if it were up to me, dude, I'd be buzzed. Really? Yeah, man. My wife likes the long hair, though, so okay. she wins that one. So speaking to the hair care routine, kind of, she's like, oh, you should put this stuff in your hair. And this, here's this leave-in that you should... She'll just leave it on my bathroom sink and like, as like a gentle encouragement. I'm like, oh, all right. I'll yeah. Throw this stuff in. So uh, there might be seven things in it at one time, and I rest assured I don't know what any of them do. You just put them in and follow directions. That's what I'm, I'm big at saying, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. That's, that's I got what you. I'm here for. That's good to know. Okay, you had the awesome touchdown return <laughs> in Jacksonville. I'm sure you asked about it all the time. I was on the field shooting it with my camera. Best view. So cool, and it was so sunny and bright, and I was looking at my phone. I couldn't tell exactly who caught it at first and who, who I – I could tell there was a, like a, a juggling of it on the ground. No, yeah. There was a picking up, and I still didn't know, and I could tell the action's moving this way, and I saw it was you, and I said, Oh, Andrew Beck! <laughs> yep, I remember. And then you ran and brought it all the way in. Who's the most random person you heard from afterwards, though? Because you said your phone mm, blew up and you got a lot of messages. That's a good one. Most random person. It would be like one of my dad's old bosses. So like people that I didn't really interact with, so dad, military guy, right? you know, the whole story. 
so I don't really interact with his bosses because to me that's you know it's like a couple generals and then like the president so I don't sure. talk to him I'm terrified of all of them back to the <laughs> yes or no sort of thing I think a couple of his old bosses reached out from when wow. I was younger and it was I mean to this day still I'm like, like nervous when their phone or their name pops up on my phone but I think a couple of those guys reached out which was pretty cool I had some old high school teammates coaches just people I went to school with that was I haven't talked to and gonna age me a little bit like 10 years man right. and it was it was cool to hear from a lot of those guys. that's the cool stuff about the league when things like that happen is you know, you don't realize who else is going to see it and who else yeah. is going to reach out. I was going to say, you've had such a cool season in that regard because you have the touchdown. Right. And then your dad, like you mentioned, he's a general. <laughs> Salute to service day. Yeah. You know, he comes out of the tunnel and he fires that cannon. You had a nice moment with him there. What, what, how spontaneous was that? How planned out was that by you? So I knew that he was doing it because yeah. he had kind of talked me through it. But I, until that moment, had never really noticed that we shoot a cannon off and like everything yep. before. Because I'm like, you know, right before the game. It's I'm new. Yeah, like we have done it a long time. Like that. Yeah. that makes me feel better. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, no, it's literally. But, <laughs> oh, good deal. So he had told me he was going to do it and like kind of told me the whole spiel. We get out, run through the tunnel. Everybody comes out on the field. And then I'm looking up, sitting down, looking up at the Jumbotron. And I see him start to do it. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, I wish they didn't pre-record it. And then I looked up and saw what was going on the field behind him. And I looked down. I was like, oh, this is actually happening. So like peeked up, looked down and saw where he was down there and just started running down there. I was like, yeah. surely nobody's going to stop me if I just start running at him. I got to go down and I think I s spooked him a little bit. Like he told me, he's like, I didn't know you were going to be down there. I was like, I didn't either, man. It was great. But we, we've talked about it a lot since then. Just like the things that have to line up in life for the two of us to be no in that moment on an NFL field, like before the game, just Absolutely one of the coolest experiences ever. Absolutely no questions asked. Really, really cool. You lived a lot of places growing up because of what your dad did. Yeah. Germany, you were there twice. I was. How much German do you speak? Not much, man, because no. we moved back. 2001, we moved back to Champaign, Illinois. My mm -hmm. brother was fluent, and I knew a little bit. Mm -hmm. So in school, we weren't in the same grade, but we went to the same school. We kind of overlapped, so we would mess around and like speak to each other in German because we thought we were cool and nobody else could understand. <laughs> and the principal called both of us in and my parents in and said they're not allowed to speak German anymore to each other because the teachers didn't understand it. So we got in trouble for speaking another language. Really? So we both stopped, and we lost it like a year later or something like oh that. My like, God. I could were you all like pulling stuff on these teachers? No, were nothing. We were just, just chit-chatting. Just, yeah, just kind of talking. Like, we didn't think anything of it because it was funny and it was what we were used to from where we had lived the past two years yeah and like I said he knew significantly more than I did and he still knows more than I do now I can say like ambulance and that's it but <laughs> yeah and like hospital or something but how much older is he than you five years five years yeah. okay but he's one of your best friends I'm guessing right he is we're yeah close. just moving around a lot and things like that he's he lives in he's up in Fort Worth now so he gets to come down not too far so, nice yeah, nice man. I saw a really cool picture on your Instagram and you haven't First of all, why aren't you on Instagram anymore? Oh, you haven't posted in a long time. Social media, like 2019, I think was my last post. 20, it, was like, it was right before the like pandemic. That. Yeah, I, so I put all that stuff away, and I've, I gotta tell you, man, I've loved it since then. Yeah. It's tough, and it, it won't last forever just with the way the future's going. Social media is such an integral part of everything now. Right. But I've got to tell you, man, it's been really nice not, not having to worry what about it. What made that change? Why'd you do that? I think it was just kind of going into one season. I was seeing a bunch of stuff, and I got so worried about the things I was reading and, and stuff uh. like that on there that sometimes it's kind of nice to just silence that stuff, what you can control, because you know, we'll hear stuff anyways, but the stuff you can control silencing, it's kind of nice to sometimes push it to the side, and I just pushed it to the side and kind of left it there, and it's another thing my agent wishes that he had more control of than he <laughs> doesn't, but yeah, I d decided not to, and it started with Facebook, and then it kind of went to everything, and now I I enjoy, not. I mean, I'm still on my phone too much, but I enjoy not having to do social media. You're happy anymore. though, huh? 
I'm loving every minute of it. That's fantastic. <laughs> but back to the original question, I was looking through it, and there's a cool picture of you as a little guy with Mac Brown. Yep. So you're always a Longhorn, and then you play for the Longhorns. Yeah, absolutely. So with that in mind, who's your favorite all-time Longhorn? Any sport? Any sport? Yes. I'm, I'm going to stick to football. I don't know why I said that with such, such enthusiasm. Everybody's going to say, like, Ricky or VY or something. I don't want to be that guy. Maybe Earl Campbell, man. Earl back in the day. Just the physicality he ran with. And then I got to meet him one time, and it was the most terrified I've been because he's, like, larger than life. And you go on this, you know, we walked from our dorm to the stadium. There was three statues, and he was one of them, yeah. the Heisman winners. And so the statue, he's, like, larger than life as it is. We walk by every day, and then you meet him. If you ever get the chance to meet him, none of his fingers go in the same direction, but he'll still stick his hand out to like shake your hand, and yeah. that threw me off a lot. So everything about him is just intimidating to me. <laughs> right. Back from his play style to not just like interacting with him nowadays. Yeah. So I think I think he's top of the list for me, man. That's a good uh, one. I mean, yeah. and he's a, a Houstonian or Houston legend exactly. now because of the Oilers. Yeah. Exactly. I like so. that one. Okay, you're stuck in a 10 foot by 10 foot room. <laughs> it's filled with food, and you got to eat your way out, or you're gonna die. What's the food you would choose to eat your way out with? Oh, man. Dude, Halloween candy. Any. I'm not picky at all. I have a serious problem. My wife had to throw it away. Like, we had it in our house left over. We, we stocked up for trick-or-treaters because all we heard was where we live. There's a huge trick-or-treat. And I think we got, like, four kids to come to our house. <laughs> right. We gave them each, like, huge bags. Really? Yeah, the parents. Evidently, that's not a cool thing to do. Had you parents. mixed it up and had a bunch of different... Variety, yeah, like but a, yeah, but still, like we were, it was late enough in the night. We were like, here, just take all yeah, this, yeah, and yeah. the parents are just looking like, I'm gonna remember <laughs> this house. But uh, yeah, for me, it's gonna be Halloween candy and anything because yeah. I have zero self control when it comes to. It. Like I said, I finally made my wife just throw it away. Yeah, I felt bad. We we donated some to like we took it to the fire department, and I'm sure they probably ate it or did something special Rot, with you it. Rotted the firefighters too. But yeah. man, I have a problem when it comes to Halloween candy. All it's right, a real that's thing. a that's a good answer. I like <laughs> that one. What's the first thing you do in the morning? First thing I do in the morning. Do you have an alarm clock or do you yeah. just wake up naturally? No, I wish. No, I'm an alarm clock guy. What time do you wake up? Usually, it depends. So like today, I woke up at 5.50 because you try to get here at like 6.15, 6.20. My commute's not too bad. Yeah. Um, but so like apart from driving in or like off season when I'm at home, I am right to the coffee maker immediately. I have to. I'm like a 70 year old man in that aspect. I mean, I'm three cups a day now. It's three getting, a day. It's getting bad. Wow. It's, getting, it's offsetting for all the Halloween but you gotta be I'm awake, not though. eating right now. Gotta be awake, right? That's exactly, you know, it's it's like two in the morning, so I got one right when I get up, then we lift, then another one in meetings, and then usually when we go back to these afternoon meetings, I'll have another one just because yeah. they, they can get a little lengthy. After the physical exertion, the early yeah, wake right, up, exactly. and the, the food. I feel yeah. like I can justify all of them. As long as I can do that, we're good, right? <laughs> You're a healthy dude. You're working out. You can splurge a little with the coffee. I appreciate that. Are you got any nicknames? No, I've been Beck my entire life. I have an older brother, and my parents call me Beck and him Alex all the time. And I think it was, we sat down and discussed it one day. We think it stems from playing baseball when I was younger, because I called them Chris and Sal. My parents' names are Chris and Sally. And I call them Chris and Sal. And it started way too young for me to be doing that. But then we decided that that was, it was like I got tired of yelling dad or mom and like 12 people turned over right. looking. So you yell Chris, and then I get, you know. The one, so I think that's where I'm from. But no, no, I've never had any nicknames. My parents tried to make Drew stick, it never stuck. My right. mother said if I went by Andy, she'd kill me. So we, we stuck with Beck. <laughs> She's the leader of the house. Wow, <laughs> so, yeah. that's, a, that's good stuff. I went straight from mom to wife. I don't know what it's like to make my own choices. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you start picking out what clothes you wanted to wear? to school. I'll to let wherever. you know when that happens. <laughs> you think I picked this out? No way. I don't know, man. I'm way too coordinated right now. I think I did well. The all black? Yeah. No, I, uh, 
every now and then I'll try and throw my own stuff in there. If right. I'm wearing jeans and boots, usually it's my idea. If it's anything else. What would you do when you're in college? Hook them, man. They get, if they gave us something you to it, it, was, it went right into the cycle. <laughs> <laughs> There's what? other guys on this roster that have better fashion sense than me. I'll go, I'll go grab them if you want to. Who's got the best fashion sense in your, your regard? Mechie. Really? No question that. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? I told him I wanted to take me shopping, but then I looked at look at what he wears, and I'm like, ah, I don't know if I spend that much money on this stuff, man. But he he dresses like a million bucks, literally a million bucks every day. Okay. Really well done. What's the one word you think your teammates would use to describe you? I for me, it's it's toughness, man. I hope they'd think I'd, I was a tough guy. You know, everybody's playing through through injuries and stuff at this point, and not letting any of that kind of hamper what you do on a daily basis, and and showing up day in and day out, no matter how you're feeling. And at the end of the day, I'm a fullback man, so I, I, you know, I would hope that that's what they would say. Whether that's true or not, I'll, I'll let them hold on to that. I'll, ignorance is bliss sometimes, so I'll just keep it like that. But I would hope that that's what they'd say. Awesome. Andrew Beck, appreciate the time. Thank yeah, you. Man, appreciate you. He lived up to it. There's no doubt. Andrew Beck, arguably the best Drew's dozen of the year. All right. Drew also went behind enemy sidelines with John Glennon. Not John Glenn and not John Lennon. John Glennon, who covers the Titans there in Nashville. Drew, go behind enemy sidelines, my man. Pleased to be joined now by John Glennon of the Nashville Post. You can catch him on Twitter at, at Glennon Sports. Three ends in that. John, thank you so much for joining us. First things first, coming off a pretty big Monday night win in Miami. Is this a fat and happy, quote-unquote, Tennessee Titans team right now? I think it's a happy team. I, I don't know if we could go quite as far as to say fat and happy with the overall record that they have and, <laughs> and kind of the slog it's been over the over the past, uh, you know, really over the past calendar year for the most part. Um, but certainly I, I think that that win on Monday night and, and the way it went down with the uh, with the comeback in the last two minutes, you, you know, had to be an energy boost, had to be a nice kind of a jump start for this Titans team that hasn't seen a lot of winning lately. So you know, they're, they're in, a, in an unusual circumstance all of a sudden where, where you're, uh, as you kind of referenced there, where you're maybe a little worried, hey, are they going to be able to come back and get emotionally set for a game after a big win, which hasn't happened too often for the Titans here of late, but, you know, maybe that's the case this week. Yeah, you know, I love that you use the word slog uh, because <laughs> it seems like when these two teams have played over the last four years or so, those games are a slog. You know, they kind of, despite being, you know, so far apart talent wise a lot of the a lot of the time they still come together it's a, it's a it's a division battle it's never easier than it should be you know what do you make of this matchup heading into this one with where these two teams are the texans obviously having some quarterback problems with the concussion with cj stroud doubt he plays and will levis is a young guy who really flashed on monday night but at times he can give you the ball away yeah yeah both true you know i i think I think it'll be a pretty interesting game, you know, because uh, again, I'm seeing from afar just as far as the the Texans are concerned. But yeah, you know, there certainly uh, uh, appears to be a strong possibility that that Stroud will be out after suffering a concussion there, and you know, some of the other offensive losses we we've seen, you know, uh, you know, certainly Tank Dell, and and you know, I guess Dalton Schultz is is just coming back, and uh, probably Nico Collins is still up in the air too. So. You know, I'm I'm not sure if, if the Texans were completely healthy offensively. I'm not sure the Titans could kind of match them score for score. But, you know, the, the injuries may kind of bring this down to, to the Titans level where, where they stand right now. And, uh, and and I'll go back to the to the word slog once again. That's <laughs> kind of what the Titans like to do, you know, for the for the most part. That's a Mike Rabel formula for victory for the most part. If, if you can kind of keep it low scoring, 
if Titans can win, you know, time of possession, uh, that type of thing. Um, but, you know, we we did see some more flashes of, of maybe some more, you know, offense and entertainment and spark from the Titans in that Monday night game. And, and Will Levis, you know, as you referenced in particular, you know, I, I think in addition to his first game, the one where he threw four TD passes against Atlanta, I think Monday night game was certainly probably his second best there. You know, his first 300-yard uh, game, his first fourth-quarter comeback, and especially how late that game went with the Titans trailing, you know, two touchdowns under four minutes left, and, and for him to, uh, you know, execute a couple of touchdown drives with uh, with under, as I said, under four minutes left uh, to bring them back from two touchdowns back and not only to, to, uh, to bring them even, but actually to win in regulation, you know, I think that's got to give him a, a boost of confidence moving forward. John Glennon of the Nashville Post joining us. And John, you've been around. You've covered some things. Does he remind you of anybody you've seen in the past, quarterback-wise? You know, his style and and his frame, you, you know, looks an awful lot actually like Ryan Tannehill. Um, you know, that, that's about the size. And, and he's got a big arm uh, like like Ryan Tannehill, too. You know, in, in terms of of leadership um you know you 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 look a little bit at Tannehill and then you know you, you might even look as far back in terms of being a young leader as the famed Steve McNair I think mm. it's obviously way way too early you know to suggest he's he's you know the, the the next Steve McNair or anything like that but we saw some flashes of that leadership um you know in a couple different ways I thought one and this is a little unusual to say about a quarterback is his physicality you know, and, and we all knew legendary Steve McNair in, in, in that respect. But back-to-back scrambles uh, against Miami in that Monday night game, you know, in the, in, in the first one, lowered his shoulder into Jalen Ramsey, got a, got a few extra yards that way. Uh, even after he threw that pick six, you know, guy winds up in the end zone. He's mm-hmm. trying to tackle the guy in the end zone, dropping a shoulder on the guy in the end zone. <laughs> you know, and you're going, you know, take it easy there, Will. Take, take it easy. But not not only that, but, you know, the poise I thought that he showed because he really could have gone to pieces. You know, you, you throw a pick six on your on your second drive, easy to fall apart in, on a, in a Monday night football game. And then even late in the game, after he has that bad pitch to Derrick Henry that leads to a, another Dolphins touchdown, puts him down 27-13, you're wondering whether how much that affects him. But both times, you know, came back, uh, came back for the touchdown drive after the first and two touchdown drives after that second, uh, you know, turnover there. So a lot of good things came out of that game, I think, for for Will Levis. John Glennon of the Nashville Post joining us. And John, you just referenced that scramble of him trucking over Jalen Ramsey. And listen, I'm I'm a Houstonian, so my sports hate—not real hate, but my sports hate—is always on, you know, DefCon Five or DefCon One for for anything Titans wise. That scramble had it cracking through my hate. I mean, I, I loved seeing that. It was so much fun. And I was like, dang it, I don't want to like this guy, but I really do. I mean, it's is he is he as fun to cover up close as it's, you know, for, for me to watch from afar, or is it something else for you? No, it's it's very much that same way. We've we've loved him, uh, you know, in terms from a media standpoint and, and yeah. just from able to to watch him too. You know, he's a very honest guy. Uh, he's entertaining too, though. You know, a, a lot of quarterbacks, uh, you know, kind of tend towards the vanilla these these days. Un- understandable, given all the you know potential repercussions. Sure. Um, but but you know, he, he is he's, he's funny. He's he's honest. 
you know, and, and he talks about his, his quirks and his deficiencies also. So he's been great. And, and I think um, just from a fan standpoint, I, I think they love the fire that they see in this guy. You know, there are a lot of clips. You, you mentioned the, uh, the on-field with Jalen Ramsey. I think he almost trucked a few of his teammates uh, and a few of the assistant coaches on the sideline, right. you know, especially after that second score. Uh, one, one of the Titans, uh, uh, I think it was an assistant trainer, kind of came up to give him the, the customary chest bump after that uh, second touchdown. And I think Levis almost knocked him into the into the first row of the stands. And the guy kind of <laughs> retreated uh, you know, very quickly after that. And I saw another assistant who it appeared like he was about to move towards Levis and congratulate him. Kind of moved away a little bit, uh, you know, took a few yards back after that, uh, after seeing an initial chest bump. But uh, just a, a incredible, you know, um, uh, sort of display of, of fire and competitiveness. And and that's that, that's all great, but it doesn't matter if you're not playing well. But sure. He has combined both, you know, so far anyway in a, in a very early career. I'm going to be the first to admit I don't watch every single Titans game. I watched a big chunk of the Monday Nighter, and everything I saw of DeAndre Hopkins looked like everything I saw when he played here from 13 through 19. He looked really, really impressive. Now, that's just one small sample size. What have you seen from him on the whole this year? Am I close in that regard? Because he doesn't look like he's lost any step at all. He looked like the guy I remember watching for the, that long time here. He really, he really does, you know, and, and honestly, it surprises me a little bit because the Titans have had some, some tough luck over the years and yeah. kind of adding wide receiver veteran wide receivers who are kind of on that line, you know, maybe are they, are they, you know, too old or are they going to be real productive? You know, Julio Jones, uh, you know, they, they traded for Julio Jones here and, and there was much uh, interest and excitement and that just didn't go over very well. And, and to a lesser degree, you know, a guy like Robert Woods, who's now, with the with the Texans, uh, you know, they brought him in hoping for a little bit more, you know, than they got from him, and that that didn't work out either. But yeah, Hopkins has has been the guy, and it's interesting that you used the phrase uh, uh, hasn't hasn't missed a step. He, you know, he, he has certainly never been really in his career the fastest guy. It's not like a, a track star who's who's winning sprints down the field. What he what he has always been and, and continues to be this year is the is the guy who can win those contested catches, who can use those giant hands. And that, and that good catch radius. Um, and he has been a, a godsend, I think, for Will Levis. Uh, I, I ran the numbers yesterday, and, and in Will Levis's seven starts, he's targeted DeAndre Hopkins 60 times, yeah. uh, only completed 30 of them, which, you know, is not great, but it kind of gives you an idea of just how much he is relying on him. And those receptions, 522 yards, so he's been averaging 17 yards uh, catch with Levis and six touchdowns in that seven-game span also. So it's clear there's a real chemistry, a real good connection with those two uh, right away. And and really, Hopkins' numbers to me are even more impressive because there really aren't any other threats, significant yeah. threats right now in the Titans' passing game. You know, they hoped for a lot from Traylon Burks, the 22, 2022 first-round draft pick, but we really haven't seen it so far. In fact, he's only had one catch in the last two games since coming back from a concussion. So, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is doing this despite the fact that, that all the defenses know the ball is going to DeAndre Hopkins. Nashville Post, John Glennon. John, sounds familiar. I, I could say that about oh, 2014 when he was catching passes from Fitzpatrick and Mallett and TJ Yates and Case Keenum. And, you know, the list goes on and on. It's It just seems very familiar seeing him do that Monday night and know what the situation is and what the situation was here for chunks of his periods in Houston. 
Derrick Henry has owned the Houston Texans. Uh, this Houston Texans run defense, however, is much, much better than it's been really got to go back to about 2018 to see a, a run defense from the Texans. It's this solid. I wonder what we see Sunday. You never take Derrick Henry for granted, certainly, but it's a nice compliment to have when you do have a, a DeAndre Hopkins. You talk about a lack of receiving threats opposite him, but now you have Derrick Henry and yet Spears, my goodness, the rookie Spears. What a compliment. That run game looks like it could get cracking. What have you seen from them this year? Yeah, it's been, I would say it's been up and down and, and you always wonder in the run game, you know, uh, is it the running backs or is it the offensive line? And, and I, I tend to, to think it's a little bit more offensive line related. You know, they, they've got some, some very inexperienced players up there. Uh, you know, last few games that they're starting left tackle is a sixth round rookie, uh, you know, draft pick who that, that was certainly not the plan this year. Uh, they're really, they're, they're missing the, the two guys who they thought would be their starting tackles right now. So it's been a, a tough go uh, at times in the in the running game, but certainly we've seen flashes of that of that old Derrick Henry, and you know I think he's got three games uh, over a hundred this year, and and he's still in the top five or so in uh, in rushing for for the NFL, and that's you know it's funny Derrick Henry has raised the bar so high that yeah. you know you look at a season like this and you're like ah a little bit of a down year for Derrick Henry. And he's still going to go over a thousand yards, and he, and he's still going to wind up as one of the the league's top rushers. But the, but the guy you mentioned, um, Tajay Spears, very interesting. Um, you know, I I think uh, people are going to be uh, watching this this rookie um, emerge uh, over the next few years as a very good player. Um, not only as a, as a running back, which I think he's he's very good. He's got he's got good speed. He's shifty, um, but as a, as a passing uh, threat as well. And we saw that in the Monday night game. I think he had six catches for 89 yards and, and making some catches that running backs don't usually do. You know, there was a 30-yard downfield shot, contested catch that he came down with. I actually fumbled it out of bounds, but still set up a tight score that way. Um, he is a, an excellent compliment to Derrick Henry. You wonder maybe, you know, going forward, this is last year of Derrick Henry's contract, mm -hmm. you know, maybe Tajay Spears becomes the guy next year. But uh, overall, Titans running game hasn't been what we've seen in in previous years, but, but that that complement is uh, is a very effective one, and Tajay Spears is is certainly a real weapon. We got the Nashville Post's John Glennon talking with us about the Titans matchup, and over on the defensive side, what your gut tell you about Jeffrey Simmons? Is there any chance the interior defender lines up and plays against the Texans on Sunday, or is he still a week or so away? My guess is probably still a week or so away, I think. You know, and initially when he was hurt, uh, you know, Mike Vrabel said he might miss a couple of weeks. Uh, he's only missed one so far. I don't, uh, he didn't practice yesterday. Um, and I, I would think it's a little bit more time, um, you know, for, for Jeffrey Simmons, which is certainly a, a big loss. And then they also put starting quarterback uh, Christian Fulton on, mm -hmm. on IR yesterday. So, so he's probably done for the season. Um, but it was, it was interesting to see, even minus those players against Miami, you know, a defense that hasn't necessarily been great this year came up with two huge stops there in mm -hmm. the fourth quarter, you know, to, to get the ball back for the winning drive and then to shut the down, shut down the Dolphins when all they needed was a field goal to, to win the game. Um, you know, and you saw, I think Harold Landry is, is a, certainly a good name to point out here. You know, he, he missed all of last year with the ACL 
Uh, and, and so maybe the first half of this year was it was a little bit of rust and a little bit of getting his timing back and so forth. But he's come on strong. Uh, he was the AFC player, defensive player of the week this week, had three sacks in the fourth quarter uh, against Miami, five tackles overall as well. So he's a, he's a name to watch. And, and the, the pass rush in general has been much better the last few games as opposed to what it was, you know, sort of in the middle and, and early portion of the season. Yeah, John, I was going to say, do you think this is an ascending team? I know the record is what it is, but do you think this team is kind of gearing up for next year? I don't want to close the book on any season, but where do you see this this Titans squad headed? That is a very good question, and that, that is one that, that has been asked, uh, you know, many times here uh, in, in Nashville, because this year they, you know, they really didn't, you know, there, there was a lot of thought that maybe at the trade deadline that they might go all in for for sort of a rebuild uh mm -hmm. you know a, a youth movement you know pick up more draft picks and especially so you know when they traded kevin byard you know cornerstone of the franchise you know just before the, the trade deadline there was the thought that okay that's the first uh domino that's the first block to go that raised eyebrows down here yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah and but then it stopped you know well there, there was thought that hey you know maybe even a derrick henry you know again in the last year of his contract or or uh, Danico Archery, uh, same sort of situation. And and even, you know, Ryan Tannehill, had he not gotten hurt just before that, he's in the last year of his contract. So there was a lot of thought that, hey, it's time to start rebuilding, pick up capital, you know, let, let's make some more trades. But but it stopped right there. Um, so I, I think that there's still a lot of spots on this Titans team that need uh, retooling. You know, I think they're more than one or two players away to kind of get back to, to what they were used to over, uh, you know, Mike Brabel's first half decade or so. Um, I, I, so it's hard to say whether whether ascending or, or sort of, you know, in, in neutral right now. I, mm -hmm. I think there's still some work to go for this team. It's an interesting matchup because, like we said at the outset, this is a banged up Texans team, banged up uh, Titans team there. No Jeffrey Simmons. I mean, that guy, we talked about what a terror Derrick Henry is on the offensive side. He's every bit the equal over there, and it makes things a little easier, at least on the interior for, you know, what's kind of been a shaky offensive line there, guard center guard for the Texans this year. All right, last thing. What do you guys make of it locally there? The Oilers uniforms. It's a big deal back here. But what do you guys think about it? I think the uh, I, I think the fans around here really enjoy you know the uh, the throwbacks the the uniforms that kind of thing simply because I mean it's you know everyone pretty much feels the same about those uniforms they were great you know they're they're, yeah. they're a classic classic look and I I don't you know I I don't think there's quite the feeling in the fans here of hey let's rub it in in Houston's face you know as as understandably Houston fans would, would feel that way. Right. Um, you know, and, and of course uh, you probably saw too, that they're going to induct Billy white shoes, Johnson into the, into the team's ring of honor yep. there at halftime. It, it almost seems like, yeah, let's do it a little bit more here. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I think the, the Titans in, enjoy uh, Titans fans kind of enjoy the throwback look, but they don't have the, the deep seated feelings of, yeah, let's, let's give it to them. Simply because you know the the team, uh, you know that they only know the Titans here. It, it, it yeah. was not as as big a point with the uh, with the fans, but certainly we all know where the owner comes from and and her history as well. And uh, you know maybe her feelings towards uh, at least the former uh, administrations uh, in Houston. So 
I, th I think that's generally where it stands or where it comes from. But, um, yeah, I, I think certainly the, the Titans fans love the whole, uh, you know, the look of things anyway. Boy, there's a lot there from John Glennon. We thank him for being on our show. Drew for being on our show. Andrew Beck, Mark Vandermeer, D'Amico Ryans. We also had Jim Wyatt. We had everybody you could possibly want on the show and a GOAT. We had Andre Johnson. Appreciate you guys being here. We'll see you on Sunday. Got to go get this dub. Let's do it in Nashville against the Tennessee Titans masquerading as Oilers. We'll see you on Sunday, everybody. And as always, go Texans.